Welcome to the Humble Hoof Podcast. My name is Alicia Harlov. This is a podcast for both horse owners and hoof care professionals, offering discussions into various philosophies on the health of the hoof and soundness of your horse. Please check us out on Facebook or at thehumblehoof.com. You might remember the name Diane Sept from a previous podcast episode with Deb Davies about how riding can affect soundness. Diane is a trainer, judge, rider, and lover of gated horses. And when I heard she had spent about 50 years in the gated world and took an interest in their hoof care, I asked if she would be interested in talking to me about common misconceptions about gated horse feet and how we can approach them. All right. So, uh, why don't we get started then? And, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and how you became interested in gated horses? Ah, great. Well, I have a business that I named many, many years ago. The name of my business is Back to Basics Equine Awareness. And it totally describes, if you will, in a nutshell, where my true passion lies. And needless to say, as you know, the hoof and foot are about as basic as you can get, not to mention nutrition and teeth, but feet are so, so important. And they have become such a focus for me to the point that it is an, an imperative part of my teaching when I go out to teach riding or to work with a horse or possibly take a horse into training. The way I got into the smooth gated breeds, if you will, And I say that because I always laugh at the term gated because all horses are gated. If they didn't gate of some sort, whether it be trot or canter or whatever, they would fall on their face, right? They have to gate. But but so the term smooth gated breed has come to be pretty accurate on when we describe the different gated breeds, such as Tennessee walking horses, racking horses, Icelandic Pasifinos. Um, now I start naming names and I do not mean to leave anybody out. I include all of the many various smooth gated breeds that are in the world. I ironically was quite embarrassed about being with my mother back in the early 70s when we finally moved out to a farm and she and I had wanted horses forever, but we lived in town and my, we just didn't have them. And my mother said that she was too old to ride anything but a Tennessee walking horse. So she got her Tennessee walking horse, the speckled up red roan mare. And I, of course, got my quarter horse. And it truly was an embarrassment for me to be seen with her because I thought that was the most crazy animal that could be created. It turned out I ended up rodeoing on that speckled up red roan Tennessee walking horse. And everybody, of course, thought she was an Appaloosa until she started doing this wacko gait, which, by the way, was nothing but a pace. And in my lack of knowledge at the time, I was told that was the correct gait. And it wasn't. It was a pace. Didn't make any difference rodeoing what she did, but it was a pace. And they kept putting me in the show ring on this little mare and just mortified that I didn't place. And, of course, you know, as a child quite heartbreaking not to place, especially since my trainer told me, I don't know why they aren't placing you. She's doing the right thing. Well, she wasn't. 
And as I was lucky enough to get involved with information on what a correct four-beat running walk was, I realized that I'd been hoodwinkled for many years. And I will say my breed of passion is the Tennessee walking horse. I fell in love with their personality, Alicia, their kindness, their gentleness, and it had nothing to do with their amazing, smooth, gated ride. Their amazing kindness also fed my sadness and my disappointment. When I would hear the Tennessee walking horse and other gated breeds get mocked and made fun of, and considered klutzes, unable to walk down a trail without falling down, without tripping, because I knew that wasn't a fair title to put on them. Most of these horses that get titled, depicted, made fun of because of being klutzes, because their feet are trimmed in a non-functional way. Yeah, and I definitely want to talk about that. And I have some questions kind of leading up to that. Um, so, so I guess, you know, I I don't have a ton of experience with gated horses. I, I trim a lot, or I should say, you know, a handful, like 10 or so Pasifinos. But other than mm-hmm. that, I don't see as many gated horses. So I actually need a lot, need to learn a lot about them. But one thing that I've wondered, because I've wondered this in the Pasifinos that I trim is uh so in horses when I'm evaluating them and I'm watching them walk before I trim them I look for a nice extended stride on a flat surface and I look for them to land ideally balanced and heel first um, when their foot hits the ground and something I've seen in some of the Pasifinos is a shorter stride and I've been working at getting them to you know really extend that limb and I was wondering if you have any insight into if smooth gated horses should be landing heel first or should have a longer stride or if that shorter stride is desirable in the breed? (laughs) I think you have just actually opened what I would hope to be able to share information on today. Um, Needless to say, we could talk forever about training gated horses, about all sorts of things, but this is about the hoof and the foot. They should do exactly what you are looking for. I would love to say, hey, this interview is over, Alicia. All you have to do is do any gated horse the same way that you would do what you know about our walk trot breeds. It would be lovely if we could do that. Sadly, again, there are so many different ideas regarding what helps, if you will, a smooth-gated horse to gait good. So one of the things I love about what you said is you watch them move. And as you know, that's imperative for the movement of each limb should be exactly as you described. When that happens, that allows I will be as simple as saying the rib cage or the core, the weight-bearing place of that animal to function properly, to carry weight. When we do not have the efficient movement of the four corners of our horse, they will be compromised elsewhere in their body also. You bring up the Pasifino specifically, But this would be true of many of the different gated breeds, depending on 
what, if you will, the show ring or the desires of that breed are. I don't think this is about training. This is about a functional, well horse, starting with a good balanced foot. Now, there are pastafinos who are bred to have a beautiful, more collected, short-strided, quick movement. But it's in their breeding. It's part of their genetics. And then we also have the other faction of that great breed that is very much what you're looking for. And that is a wonderful, smooth moving forward, free strided animal. So I think what I would offer to you and everybody else is when you watch that quick movement, is the body involved properly? And are they hitting heel first? And I think what you're seeing is a lot of toe first landings. Yeah, and I guess that kind of leads to my next question because I've I've had some interesting conversations with some farriers who sort of specialize or you know their their main uh demographic of horses they work on are these gated horses in the show ring and mm-hmm. they and I'm honestly amazed at their knowledge of how what they do to the foot affects how that limb moves. I mean, mm-hmm. they know how um, like moving a shoe a millimeter one direction is going to affect every single joint up that limb. And I, that's something that I do respect them for. What's confused me about that is, you know, often they're saying that they want to shoe for this exaggerated movement or to achieve a certain movement. And is that something that you find is necessary or is de- maybe even desirable in the show ring? Or, you know, is there something else that we can do like for me, who doesn't have that kind of training and experience, is that something where I should just stay away from working on <laughs> gated horses? You know, you're funny. No, please, please do not leave us. No, no, no. <laughs> please stick. Please stick with us. You know, we went from many of these old breeds, and many of these gated breeds are old, old. They go way back into the European countries and the Icelandic horses, a, a very old breed. But these horses were used. They were used to plow the fields. They were used to carry families from here to there. They couldn't have the spectacular gait. What I, in my heart, believe, and this might be a good time to say this, I have been often looked at in the gated horse world as well. You just don't get it, Diane. You just don't get it. Well, let me tell you, I've been around a long time and I've been there and done that. I am not proud of when I had a big lick horse and I'm not proud of when I showed big lick horses or when I trained with chains on horses' ankles and held their heads up in the air. I'm not proud of that, but I'll tell you what, I'm really glad that I experienced it because it only brings to my now, thank God, knowledge, the unfairnesses that we put out on these horses. So yes, we look to spectacular. And even the breeding of so many of these amazing horses has been changed to help create the look of more spectacular movement. Because ironically, sadly, that can be very entertaining. So I do know this. I am a longstanding member of a group called Bosch, Friends of Sound Horses. I am a licensed IJA judge with the Independent Judges Association. 
I also am a senior dressage judge for IJA. We are looking for soundness and well-being in a horse. And so when we are told, as you brought up, that all we have to do is this, all we have to do is let the toe be a little bit longer or put a little bit of a package on or very common in the Missouri Fox Trotter, lift the heel on the rear foot if we get a heel that's higher, that's going to accentuate a up-down movement in the hind limb that's looked for in the Missouri Fox Trotter. But this accentuates it by creating a taller heel, which can be done with both hoof and, and shoe. My hope is to help educate people to understand what the well-being emotional, mental, physical, is for any horse, including any smooth-gated breed. You know, what I've always struggled with is if the show ring is looking for this movement, then if people are trying to sort of get away from adding unnatural movement, are they just not able to show now because that's what the show ring wants? I get asked that a lot, and I get asked that a lot even by, and just as an example, um, and then back to feet, even with equitation riders. Well, if I ride in a balanced posture, I can't win an equitation class. I choose to believe that there are judges. When a balanced rider and horse come into the ring, there is nothing more awe-striking than a balanced, flowing picture of both a horse and rider. Now, that does put a judge into a horrible place, doesn't it? If you've got one entry that is like, look at that partnership, but you've got four, six, ten others that are all of a more spectacular look, oh my goodness, that's when a judge feels like their class just took 30 minutes to judge. This is a beautiful picture here, but what about all these over here? What do I do? Oh my God. And I hold out that there are judges out there who have the awareness of what a healthy relationship and a healthy horse-human partnership should look like and that they are willing to stand up for their beliefs. And there are show rings that do credit or give preference to a balanced, comfortable, moving horse. There are shows that are out there yeah, that's great. And and actually, it's it's funny because we were talking about balanced movement, good movement. And another question that I have is, as someone who isn't as familiar with all the other gates out there, is I often can't tell if one of these smooth gated horses is lame. <laughs> other, you know, I can watch yes. them at the walk. Yes. So, yes. you know, what are, I, I don't know if there's any easy way to sort of convey what owners can look for. Uh, to know if their horse, if they have a gated horse, if it's if it's dealing with a lameness issue, or even other hoof care providers that might not, like me, might not be familiar with other gates. I will break that down as easily as I can. And I will tell you, in my years, I have run into this over and over. We, I used to do years of competitive trail riding on my Tennessee walking horses. When we would check in... <laughs> The judges, it was really cute. The vet judges quite often, they'd say, okay, just, just move them out. I don't know whether they're lame or not. I'm serious. I mean, that's what they'd say. I don't know. I just don't know. <laughs> if somebody is not able to get their gated horse, no matter which breed it is, to move out in a even symmetrical way for a judge or a farrier or a vet, teach that horse to trot so that 
it takes the question out of the non-breed-specific professional's ability to watch. I have actually done clinics for barriers and for veterinarians who just said, what the heck should we look for? Now, let's step back to some very basic truths. When a sound horse moves, they will have an oscillation to their spine, easiest seen in the neck, of course, or in the tail. And that movement should be equally to the left and to the right, whether it be the neck you're watching or the tail you're watching. Secondly, the neck should reach forward and down. What do we look for in a lame horse, Alicia? We look if the horse is lame on one of its front legs, it's going to throw its head up, right, to try and lift up off of that sore leg or foot. In any of the smooth-gated breeds, there should be a lengthening forward and down with every stride that the horse takes. We do not want to see that neck and head going up in the air, which creates, by the way, the overdeveloped undercarriage at the base of the neck. So if there's an uneven up, 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 they are not in a correct flow of movement or they may have an issue. And we as professionals, Alicia, must not accept, well, he's just a gated horse. He's not just a gated horse. He's a horse and he is showing signs of unsound movement. When we watch any of these horses, I like to watch them, by the way, from more or less a three-quarter view from behind. There should be a symmetrical one, two, three, four movement of all four corners. The rib cage should swing. The neck should oscillate left to right. The tail should oscillate or swing left to right. And the neck. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's... That's just great because it's a something that people can latch onto and at least focus on when they're watching the horse. And, you know, that's helpful for me, too, because it's not something, you know, they're not horses that I work with every day. So, Correct. And I know that you kind of alluded to this in the beginning, but uh, my next question is if you see any common hoof issues in some of these breeds, whether that's caused by a trim that people think is desirable, or if you think it's, you know, maybe a confirmational, you know, genetic confirmational thing. It's all, it is all. Thank you. Yes. There is a very common and overwhelming to the long toe on gated horses. And long toe creates an underslung heel. So in many of the show ring horses, the long toe is absolutely a desired development, as you said, with the knowledge of the farriers that you've spoken with. They know, they know how to create a spectacular look. So there is a definite detrimental long-term effect to these long toes. So anyway, yes, it's very, very common to see long toes under slung heels thrush thrush that becomes so deep and there's no way it can be healed, if you will, while they are in that long toe, low heel situation. So sadly, many of those horses, and I'm talking, let's say they were show horses, just horses that are on flat shoes, if you will. Flat shoes, just because somebody has their horse on flat shoes does not mean that those horses are sound, but it is such 
an overwhelming truth that there is so much thrush that does not get attended to even once these horses are given the opportunity to become pleasure horses because it is so up into the depth of the frog that nobody addresses it. I have known that to be the cause of such lameness and such soreness in so many horses, All I don't care what breed, but especially in the gated breed, if the belief has been that they need to be in a long-toe situation. And now we are talking both front and hind feet with some of the breeding that has gone on to create spectacular in the show ring. Breeders have chosen breeding stock that brings out a more crooked or sickle-hawked or long hind leg that looks as if it's up underneath the horse, right? So it gives the look of an incredibly long stride. When you have that confirmation, it just perpetuates long toe. And you know how easily long toe can get carried away. It's like it's like a disease almost. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how long that toe is. Yeah. <laughs> but we actually have these incredibly angulated hind ends in some of these smooth-gated breeds that has been bred in on purpose for the look. But then trimmers will tend, trimmers, and we know a trim always comes before shoeing if one chooses to put shoes on, that the toe gets so long that there it goes back to what I was talking about. They become very trippy because as soon as they go to move, they get stuck on their toe. Or when they come to land, it's not going to be a heel first. It's going to be a toe first. It's so debilitating. It's so sad because the horse can't help it. They try so hard, but if the feet get in the way, the horse will try so hard to please, but they can't. They functionally can't. Likewise, if the toes are long in the front feet, the horse cannot get their foot out of the way quick enough to allow the hind end to come under and support them because they know, they know neurologically that if they let that hind leg come forward when it should, they're going to overreach and they're going to rip themselves apart. So they learn to invert and do an up and down movement with their hind legs. They're brilliant. They're brilliant. Something that was brought out to me, by the way, with by Gene Ovenick, who I knew since I was first started in Tennessee walking horses back in the 70s. He and I both kind of changed our stripes as we got older. And he, one of these horses I was telling you about, we knew we wanted so badly to try and help these long toe low heels. He had such a contracted heel and such a long flipper toe. And my trimmer at the time was amazing young man. And uh, he said, we got it. We got a x-ray these feet, Diane. So we did. And yep, he was definitely long toe. Well, I got with Gene Ovnik. We took this horse to him. And here's what he explained to me. He was very involved in gated horses when he was back in the younger days. When we have that extreme contracted heel, long toe, the coffin bone quite often will actually redesign itself so that it becomes more comfortable for it. At least it creates a way for the connections to not rub over the edge of what used to be a round coffin bone. And they create a oblong coffin bone to at least create a little more comfort 
in movement for them. And you will never get that foot round because the coffin bone is no longer round. The thing that I would like to speak about is suggestions on how we actually support and consider how the gated horses especially might be behaving or acting when we are actually in the process of trimming their feet. And again, this can be true of any horse. I mean, we know that, but I do find, as we talked about earlier, that the gated horses, and especially the walking horses, and then the pacifinos turn into the situation I would like to talk about. We've explained about the common imbalances that tend to be seen, created in the gated horse's foot. So I would really like to ask trimmers and handlers to please take this into consideration and have empathy as you work on these feet that are out of functional balance. When we're thinking about some of the common imbalances in these gated horses, what are the main things? Long toe, low heel, and especially on the back legs, high inside, low outside, and long toes. So they seem that they're squirming around so often but they squirm around and they don't stand still because actually when they get to kind of fidget around on their different feet, it can take discomfort out of one for a moment. Being able to kind of squirm around or shift their weight from foot to foot or even walk a little bit can help to take the pointed discomfort out of whatever area it is that hurts. So anyway, it, it, it can be an emotional and a physical thing for them. Those that have been bred to have more angulation in their hawks and they get more and more sickle hawks, the imbalance becomes even more so. So I think it's quite common in some of our gated breeds. So something that I like to do is before I go to actually trim a hind foot, I like to do what I call deep knee bends. And I will just take, it's almost going to be like you're asking to pick the horse's foot up, but you know, I'll just take and poke down on their tendon behind their cannon and just have them pick their leg up. I just want it to be a reaction. I want it to be a response to the stimulation. And what I want to see that horse be able to do before I expect it to take its leg and stretch it out is I want to see it be able to coil it up underneath their body like a good functioning moving horse should do. And when we do that, it brings relief to joints that very likely have been braced. It lets muscles, I, I do this with the hind legs especially, up through the hind quarters all the way through the back. And so it actually lets the horse's body get prepared to then allow their hind leg to stretch out. Well, the worst thing we can do and the rudest thing that we can do is say, come on, bring that leg back. You're doggone it. You know what we're trying to do. No, let's, let's just give them a little bit of relaxation, release and movement before we expect them to go into the next ballet position. And the other thing too then, 
when we are asking for that hind leg, I would ask that you allow yourself to go with the leg where the horse needs it to go. I find this, especially in the walking horses, in some thoroughbreds, I will actually end up trimming from the opposite side on a back leg. In, especially in walking horses, Pasifino, thoroughbred, they will be so much more comfortable when they are allowed to let their hind leg go to where it's comfortable to go because of how they are built in their hip and possibly habitually moving at this point in time. And I think, you know, I I see a lot of horses where, like you said, the long toe affects them in so many ways. And like you said, the foot can then, or the internal structures can then remodel where there's only so much you can do with the foot. You know, one of the biggest complaints that I have from owners or, Mm -hmm. or people talking to me about horses that if they have gated horses is, you know, they want to take their horse barefoot or they want to take their horse and, and try to get its feet healthier, but they struggle with boots because they can't find a boot that fits well, or they can't find a boot that stays on with gated movement. But I just was wondering if you have any boots that you've used. I do. And I am not, I won't even sit here for five seconds and pretend I'm real knowledgeable on boots. I like, I love boots. I absolutely advocate boots. Um, I have many gated, I have many gated horse friends who, I mean, the people, people who own, there we go, I should probably put it that way, that ride the smooth gated breeds, all different breeds, gated mules, Tennessee walking horses, racking horses, spotted saddle horses, the gamut, and they love good old, long-standing easy boots. They love them. They have good luck with them on the trail, in the water. So that is one boot that I hear used and working from my friends slash students that really ride. I mean, they actually really ride. My horses don't really know for sure anymore what that means. (laughs) But they sure know what a rasp is. (laughs) So that's one of the boots that I know is proving itself to be very successful for many of my friends who are students who are trail riders. I know several other trail riders who have been pleased with the Cavallo boot on their gated horses. I know a couple Icelandic riders that have. I know some other breeds that have been happy with the Cavallos. And then again, the thing I do know, and you're, you're a pro on this, is that there are so many different boots out there now, and you just have to find the one that takes into consideration the shape of that healing hoof while they go along. So that's the best I can do on that. But I do absolutely know that, yes, boots can certainly be used trail riding on these horses. Yes. Awesome. I was wondering if there's anything that you wanted to, you know, convey to horse owners who are, you know, either dealing with hoof issues or soundness issues with smooth gated horses or just anything that you wanted to mention before we wrapped up. Something else I think that is a very important bit of information, and this is going to be in regards more to the Tennessee walking horse, 
but this was certainly a long time learning for me is that and so many people so many people are open to and end up taking on an ex big lick show horse or maybe one that didn't even make it in the show ring so it ended up getting sent along to a pleasure horse person if we have a horse who was raised as a big lick horse and that means very likely had the stacks that are used on the big lick show horse and those stacks quite often can start out on a young horse at the anywhere from 14 months of age on up and they mature wearing a stack and a stack can be anywhere from two to three to five inches if they are in those stacks as they mature and their bones go oh here's where i belong and here's where i belong and everything you know, all the parts talk to each other and they go, okay, I think we should do this now. Ironically and phenomenally, it's just amazing to me, their bodies will quite often grow in balance in reference to what their front legs are telling them, which means they have a prosthesis at the end of their leg. If they have shifted or taken on the belief that their front leg is five or three inches longer than it would have been, they will mature like that. So when we good-hearted people take on a, an ex-big lick horse, we of course pull those shoes off and guess what? We have a downhill horse. You don't know how many of those horses I tried to fix. They literally have grown in a downhill conformation. Needless to say, we can do things to help but sometimes it might actually be a consideration that it would be more, I'm going to use the word humane, supportive, to actually let those horses be up on some gentle pets because that would actually help them to balance a little better. Yeah, that makes sense. These horses, you know, we, we choose these breeds because we love what they do. I don't care whether it's a dog or a horse or a whatever, a cat. We love the breed. Or we fall in love with a horse. And then we try to shift it all around. <laughs> Give it the time and the support to allow it to develop into what it is bred to do. And these gated horses are bred. It is a genetic predisposition that they do their gait if we allow them to mature in a way that allows it to happen. And if anybody's interested, it's fun to look up. It can take you off into a whole nother world. But there is a mutation, if you will, in the gated breed that does allow for the four-beat gait. And that is called the DMRT3 gene. D is in dog, M is in mine, R as in royal, T is in tango three. DMRT3 gene. And you can look that up or anybody can go to that on the internet. And there are many, 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 many phenomenal studies on that. And it's absolutely intriguing. It's intriguing to me anyway. I hope it gives you a little more information as people question you about the ability to take these smooth gated breeds to a barefoot status. Yeah, I think you've helped a lot. And so I think overall, this is a lot of really great information. I hope so. And thank you so much for being willing to do this and answer my questions and take up, you know, all your time this afternoon or whatever time it is there. But I really appreciate <laughs> it. 
Well, I am very grateful to you for giving time to this. And I thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Bye. I always say that I'm slightly more hoof obsessed than the average person. And chances are, if you're listening to a hoof care podcast, you are too. So we should probably be friends. Feel free to find me on Facebook or email me at thehumblehoof at gmail.com.